Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Especially after that song, beautiful name, wonderful name, matchless name of Jesus. And we get to share communion together to remember that. That he came to this earth as a baby, was born and laid in a manger, and grew to a man, and then died on a cross. We talked about that last week. Jesus knew his future and he told that to his disciples. He knew that he was going to be beaten. He knew that he was going to be mocked. He knew that he was going to be flogged. He knew that he was going to die on a cross. But then it ended with, and that's why we're here, he rose from the grave. And communion is our time to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross all those years ago. In a moment you are going to be passed uh, actually two cups. In one of the cups is a piece of bread, in the other is a cup of red grape juice, both symbolic of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. And what we will do is, as the Lord leads you, you can take each of those and uh, eat and drink, and that's how we will share communion together. What I encourage you to do is when those cups are passed, I want you to just stare at those. Just Sometimes communion, we do it often and it becomes rote. I want you just to think about what Jesus did for you and how his body was broken for you on the cross, how his blood was shed, and how that shed blood, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament, provides forgiveness of sin. A life had to be slain in order for forgiveness to be given. That's all of the Old Testament. But Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice of the New Testament and no need for the priests and the sacrifices anymore because Jesus did what he was supposed to do when he said on the cross it is finished and then the Bible says he rose to the right hand where he is seated his work is done. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord we remember communion we share it here the first Sunday of each month. We remember your broken body. We remember your shed blood. And in a moment, we're going to hold two cups representative of those two things, those two wonderful, wonderful, beautiful things. And Lord, we will share those together as a body of Christ. And we will, as our communion table says, do this in remembrance of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those that are assisting with communion, would you please come forward?
after you spend some time staring and remembering, take as the Lord leads you. freely gave and we will now freely give as we receive our tithes and our offerings given to that beautiful name. God bless you as you give. stand together as we sing the doxology. responsibility of giving to you and to your work. We pray, Lord, that you would bless these gifts. 
And as we gave them, Lord, that we would be reminded, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Actually, we're working on our uh, chimes, and they just happened to go off, as you just heard. <laughs> That's strange. All right. I think they're still going. That's all right. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> well, we'll spend a few moments in quiet prayer, and uh, you pray as the Lord leads you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you do, and the Lord does. And so there could be things that you want to praise Him for, some things you might want to ask Him for, some things you might want to plead with Him for. I don't know what's going on, but let's bow our heads for prayer. You spend a little bit of quiet time talking to the Lord or listening to his still small voice. quiet for a moment. We live in a pretty rushed society, a pretty rushed world. We're running here and there, especially this time of year. Everybody's out and about. And sometimes we just don't get to spend some quiet time with you, which is so, so important. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. And Lord, sometimes we just need that. We just need to be still. Turn off the television. Get out of the car, put down the newspaper, and just quietly be still before you are Lord and Savior. And listen, and talk, and listen, and talk. So often, Lord, we spend our time in prayer rattling off our Christmas list, all the things that we want you to do for us. We very rarely give you opportunity to speak to us. And so, Lord, in our prayer time this week, let us remember to speak and then to be quiet and listen. And we might be very surprised at what you might say, what you might do, how you might answer a prayer, a Bible portion that you might draw us to, a person that you might bring to mind that needs some of your uh, strength, maybe for that day, for that moment. Lord, we think of our church family. We think of those that are not currently worshiping with us, probably at home this morning, maybe listening to last week's message, worshiping with us in their home. We're thankful, Lord, that you've continued to keep us as a congregation sick or uh, safe from sick, and uh, Lord that you have protected those that have been sick and uh, that you've healed them up Lord we're thankful that we have a God that always has an open ear to the prayers of your people 
And uh, Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers this morning. We thank you that we can be challenged in our time of prayer to pray for those in need. We do think about our nation. We think about our communities. We think about our homes. We think about our world. And understand, like our sign out front says, that no God, N-O, no God, N-O, peace. But to know God, K-N-O-W, then we can truly know peace. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. And now as we open your word together, we pray that once again you would be our teacher and that you would uh, help us to learn something that we might be able to apply to our daily lives. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark. We are still there. And I keep thinking we're going to do a Christmas message. Well, these are our Christmas messages. I can't believe how the Lord has opened the passages that we are currently in to go so along with Christmas. And you will notice our title today is Christmas is a good time for giving. And that's what our passage is going to be about today. Now, I think I asked last week how many people are listening to Christmas music, and most all of you are listening to Christmas music, uh, and I am too, although I'm getting a little tired of Burl Lives, all right? How many times can you hear Burl Lives sing It's a Holly Jolly Christmas? I'm also getting very tired of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I mean, how many times a day can you hear that song? But the song I am getting fed up with up to here is Santa Baby. All right? It's just, it's driving me crazy. The thing that's wrong about Christmas is Santa Baby. And I, 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 I got the words out. Santa Baby just slipped me a sable under the tree for me. Now, I thought that was a car, you know, a sable. That's not. That's not a car. I looked it up. It's, a, it's an animal, and it's a, it's a very uh, beautiful animal, and, and what she wants is the fur from the animal. All right? Did you? So you guys are a lot smarter than me. All right. You knew that. She also wants a 54 convertible, a light blue. And she says, think of all the fun I've missed, and think of all the fellas I haven't kissed. I mean, how selfish is that? I want you to do these things so that I can remain true to you. And then she wants a yacht. And really, that's not a lot, she says. And then one thing I really need, I didn't, I didn't understand what this was all about until I said, what did she say? And Vicky said, she wants a deed to a platinum mine. Right? And then she wants to have her stocking filled with a duplex and checks, sign your X on the line. So she just wants carte blanche of this gentleman's checkbook. And then she wants her Christmas tree to be trimmed with some decorations bought at Tiffany. And then Santa Baby forgot to mention one little thing, a ring, and I don't mean on the phone. So. I'm telling you, if I hear it one more time, I'll go through the roof. Because that is what's wrong, unfortunately, with Christmas. Christmas is a good time for giving, not for getting. 
And so we're going to look at that today because the disciples, if you have your bulletin there, you can take that out. And in our text here, it says the disciples sound like spoiled children who complain after Christmas that they didn't get everything on their Christmas list. All right. And I tell you, this happened, I think, just one time in our family. Our son was very, very young and he wanted, what was that? A, a proton pack, Ghostbuster proton pack. All right. And uh, we could not find that thing anywhere. And so, unfortunately, he didn't open the proton pack on Christmas morning. Now, he must have been six, seven, eight, three. He was young. And I do remember him saying after Christmas, did you get everything you want? I, I did get the proton pack. And we were, we were, we were new parents. And... Uh, Guess what he got the following week? We found one, a proton pack. But the disciples here sound like spoiled children who complain after Christmas that they didn't get everything on their list. They continue to need Jesus to explain that if you want the world, seek self-promotion. If you want God's kingdom, seek self-denial, which we're going to find out today is really servanthood. So if you have your Bible, take it and turn to Mark chapter 10. And we are going to read verses 35 to 45 today. This is our text. Then James and John, so a couple of his closest companions, Peter, James, and John, those are the inner three. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Come on, seriously? And so Jesus plays the game. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And then look at this. We can. We can. They answered, Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am being baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And then we said that this time now, Jesus is not spending a whole lot of time with the multitudes. He's spending time with basically the disciples in a classroom setting. Look at verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, and Jesus called them together and said, Jesus brings them in and sits them down. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. And then here's the kicker. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if you have been with us for our study through Mark, 
you know that this is not the first time this conversation has happened. The disciples are truly resisting Jesus' teaching on servanthood. And I hate to tell you, it's not going to be the last time. This is not going to be the last time that Jesus is going to have to talk to them about this idea of raiding and being important. And the problem is they are still trying to live in the world that they know, and the world that they know is the world's way. In the world, pride is exalted. In the world, man is self-centered, egotistical, self-absorbed, and self-exalting. I did see a t-shirt not too long ago, and it said, It really is all about me. Every generation of mankind seeks his own satisfaction. And that's why the Lord here is having a tough time getting this message of servanthood across to even his closest friends, James and John. And so what I want to do to you, uh, with you today is uh, have you turn to Philippians chapter 2 because I think this explains what Christ followers are to avoid and what Christ followers are to embrace. And so Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. This is one of the most encouraging, fun letters. There's not a whole lot going on in a bad way in this church. And so Paul is, well, really being joyful in this letter to the Philippians. And I want you to look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. You're going to see how the disciples fit into especially these two things, and they are do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I mean... That is so, that, those verses right there are so contrary to the request of James and John. And so I want to talk to you for a moment about selfish ambition. Talk about selfish ambition. Hey, Jesus, we want you to do what we ask you to. It's like, it's like a kid who, who wakes up in the morning and says, Dad, just say yes. Just say yes. Well, what am I saying yes to? Just say yes. Just say yes. And most smart dads say, no. Uh, But that's what the disciples are doing here. They're saying, Jesus, just say yes to what we're going to ask you. And Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, selfish ambition, let us sit on the right and the left. You can have the center. You can have the center throne, but we want to sit on the right and the left. And their argument goes back to chapter 10 and verse 28. Look at this in Mark. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. And you know what's interesting about this story here is Matthew chapter 20 is the parallel story. And for those that are familiar, you know who gets in the action with this. James and John and their mom. Their mom gets in on the action in Matthew chapter 20, the mom is included. And their argument is basically this. We've given up everything to follow you. 
question. What's in it for us? What's in it for us? I'll tell you what's in it for us. We want to sit on your right side and on your left side. We've earned it and we deserve it. That's kind of their attitude right there. And then if you look at vain conceit, basically Jesus is saying, hey, are you sure? You, you, don't know what you're, you don't know what you're talking about here. You don't know what you're talking about. Can you go through with what I'm going to have to go through with? Can you drink the cup? Can you get baptized like what I'm going to... Can you... Can the suffering... Can you, can you handle it? Can you handle the suffering? And they said, we can. We can. Jesus, remember just last week, he says, we are going to Jerusalem. This is in chapter 10, verse 33. We are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. He, Jesus just told his disciples that, that uh, last week. And they're saying, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah, we can do that. You want the glory, but can you handle the cup and the baptism? Can you handle the fire, Jesus is saying. And they say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. And what, 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 what Jesus so should say to these two is, hey, you know what? In a couple weeks, we're going to be in a garden, and guess where you're going to run when I get arrested? And they did. They ran. Can you handle this? Yes, we can. Talk about arrogance and vain conceit. And Jesus goes on and he says, uh, yeah, guess what, guys? You, you are right in, in a way. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptism with the baptiz, uh, baptism I am baptized with. And basically, Jesus is foretelling their future. They don't really understand it. But James becomes the first Christian martyr of the disciples and he's beheaded John lives the longest but he suffers in prison on an island and so Jesus says to him hey yeah you will you will suffer you're right about that but it's not quite time yet but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And then Jesus goes, oh, well, first of all, verse 20, uh, 41, the ten heard about this, and they're totally upset, aren't they? I mean, the ten are saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm better than you, John. And there's all kinds of prideful pointing of fingers and how could you how could you how could you do that how could you how could you throw us under the bus like that and so there was some problem with the ten they became indignant with James and John and then Jesus called them together and this is what he says you know and this is our next point and the next point is you've seen this way you've seen this way what I'm going to tell you here you've seen it this is the world that you live in, and it's the world that we live in too. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. You've seen this way of living in your life. 
The, the Pharisees, they're self-centered. Those are your religious leaders. They're self-centered. They're self-promoting. Remember when we talked about that in Matthew chapter 6? Jesus says, when you do your acts of righteousness before men, don't give to the needy like the Pharisees do and give their hundred pennies and hold them you know, two feet over the offering plate and drop them so they make all kinds of noise. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't stand on the, the, the street corner and, and, and pray loud so that everybody can hear you. And when you fast, don't put on sackcloth and sit in the middle of the road and, and just moan and, you know, Jesus is saying, but that's, that's the world that these disciples have lived in and the kings and the Roman soldiers and Caesar and Pilate and Herod, they all hold it over them. They all lord it over them. And Jesus is saying, hey, I know that's the way uh, you've learned. It's the way of the world and it's the way that we live in our world even today. We're in the middle of it too. But Jesus says, and here's, here's the great thing. Jesus says, hey, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to be different. If the world looks at you and doesn't see any difference, then there's an issue. Jesus said in John 18.36, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And so Jesus says, i got a better way, and it's called the kingdom way. Jesus says, I've got a different path I want my followers to walk. Basically what he's saying here is if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to, first of all, be a servant. You need to practice servanthood. So he says in verse 43, not so with you. I want you to do something different. I don't want you to, 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 to do what the world does. I want you to do something different. I want you to be different. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus is saying, and he said it before, in my kingdom, first will be last, and last will be first. If you want to be great, you need to become a diakonos. That's the Greek word for servant. And we get our diaconate, our deacons, from that idea of being a servant. You know what the word diakonos represents? It means servant, but it represents a table waiter. A table waiter. Jesus wants his followers to be table servers. And table servers well, in the restaurant industry, are kind of low life. How many times have you gotten upset with a table server because your meal was late or it wasn't right? And they're just trying to serve you. And some of them can be kind of snickety also, you know. But Jesus is saying, hey, I want you as my followers to be diaconus. I want you to be table servers. Not somebody that everybody serves, but somebody who serves everybody. I don't want you to be somebody that everybody serves. I want you to be somebody who serves everybody. And then Jesus goes on and he says, in verse 44, And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Jesus wants servanthood. Jesus wants slavery. The word is daulos. 
and it's even lower than a servant. Servants did a job and then went home. Slaves were owned and here, totally controlled by their masters 24-7. Christ followers are to serve everyone and consider everyone your master. <laughs> That's tough. Christ followers are to serve everyone and consider everyone your master. And here's the catch. Here's the catch. You do it because Jesus did it. <laughs> That's the bottom line. If you want to be a Christ follower, then you've got to follow what Jesus did. And so the third point there, and Jesus is basically saying, you know, you saw, you saw that the way the world's doing. Now you're seeing this way in me. And I don't know if you caught that. Verse 45, Jesus says, hey, I want you to do this because even the Son of Man, Jesus is saying this about himself, even I did not come to be served. I could have. I should have. But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, I'm your model of servanthood and slavery. I'm your model of servanthood and slavery. And if you go back to Philippians chapter 2 again, you'll see that. And you're familiar with this passage. Paul says, do not... Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And then this is what it says. Who being in very nature God, I mean, Jesus is God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I gave this illustration a long time ago, but I remember when I was a kid, uh, a, a, a young boy was out playing in a field next to his house, and there was a bulldozer coming, and there was a massive ant farm there, and the guy was worried about the ants. And so he was yelling, you know, ants, you got to move. There's a humongous bulldozer bearing down. It's going to totally ruin your home. And so the, the, the gentleman that was doing the illustration, he was really getting into it. Ants! And he was just yelling, ants, you got to move, you got to move. And he realized that he couldn't get through to those ants unless he, what, became an ant. You can't get through the ants until you become an ant. You can't. So, so he envisioned himself going down there, you know, as an ant, and trying to tell all the other ants that they gotta, they, they gotta move because there's a humongous bulldozer coming. Well, in a very real sense, Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, he didn't have to hold on to that. He became an ant to tell us other ants that there's a better way, that there's a better way. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above 
every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Jesus took the lowest road, he became an ant, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus became a ransom for many by being a slave to death so that we could be set free from sin. Jesus became a slave to death, even death on a cross, so that we could be set free from sin. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. And then here's the kicker. And maybe this is the challenge for you. Be prepared today to pay whatever price Christ-like service requires. Be prepared today to pay whatever price Christ-like service requires. The world's way, well, it works in the world. The world's way works in the world. And maybe if you're lucky, it'll work for a lifetime. God's way works in the kingdom. And when you do it God's way, Jesus says, I'll give you abundant life. And it works for eternity. So my friend Neil at Bible study yesterday had a t-shirt on, actually a sweatshirt. And it's a Christmas sweatshirt. And uh, it says, basically, with Santa, it says, you get nothing. <laughs> I like that. With, with Santa, you get nothing. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, it's a, it's a conversation starter because with Santa, you get nothing. With Jesus, you get everything. And I thought, yeah, okay, I like that. I like that. Neil, thanks for bringing that. Question, comment. I know you don't. And I don't usually call. way ultimately works and in the world so so sky was saying that get down to the nitty-gritty it's not working in the world either and that's a good point sky that's a good point the world's way it looks from us like it's wonderful you know and we get envious of the world's way because the world seems to, it seems attractive to us. But those of us that have been or been a part of the world's way also know that it's a very lonely, lonely place. So point well taken. Thank you, Sky. With Santa, you get nothing. With Jesus, you get everything. And so I think we should change Santa baby to Jesus baby. <laughs> Hurry down into my heart today. Jesus, baby, hurry down into my heart today. Let's say a prayer together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It really is so practical. 
In this world, the Bible says, you, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but never fear. I've overcome the world, and I've got a better way. Yeah, on the surface, it looks like the world has got it going. But Lord, we know that not to be true, and Sky gave us a reminder of that. That uh, it looks on the surface like everything is going wonderful for that guy that's got everything. But we also know that that's not true. And that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, which is the kingdom that matters, you need to be a servant of all. And so, Lord, I pray that as a church, we would take this message to heart. And we would continue to love and serve using Jesus as our example. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.